Hey Harbour City, it's Grant here. I hope you're doing well today. And we are back to church at home during this third wave of COVID and just lockdown realities. And for those who don't know, we're not meeting in person at the moment. We hope we'll be back in person really soon. But really just because of the numbers uh, in the country and also the number of people that we know who have been exposed to COVID or have COVID at the moment, we just think it's wiser for us as a community to meet like this. So I just want to say as we gather this way this morning for Church at Home, please prepare your space and prepare your hearts. What I mean by that is if you've got stuff going on, if, if you're kind of multitasking right now, please stop. If you are kind of doing chores, doing the ironing, folding things up, if you're kind of got this playing in the background while you're doing something else, please focus on this like we would if we were together in one place for a Sunday gathering. And also, don't just kind of remove distractions to pay attention here, but also internally, let's pause, let's prepare ourselves, let's focus, let's be present, because we believe that God meets with us wherever we are, whether we're in person in a building or whether we're spread out around the city like this today. So we're going to be carrying on with our Eat This Book series today. And um, I'm really just loving that we are getting more and more into God's Word and what it is and what it means for us and how it shapes us and all of the topics that we're covering. And this week in my own Bible reading, I was working through Psalm 119. And there were so many verses that just stood out to me about what God's Word is and how we should treat it and respond to it. So I wanted to read some to you. Maybe you can go through this a little bit later. Just Bible trivia here. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, so it might take you a bit of time to work through. But in verse 11, it says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Actually, as God's word gets inside of us, you know, we we firstly want to help get it inside of us so that we might not sin and also so that we might glorify God with our lives. Secondly, verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's a prayer. Open my eyes. Give me revelation. Show me your truth as I read through your word, God. Show me what it says and what it means. Verse 24, your decrees are my delight and my counselors. Do you take delight in God's word? But more than that, do you let it counsel you? I think so many of us need counseling, need encouragement, need the words of a friend, need to just pour out what's inside at the moment. But actually here we see God's word and his wisdom is a counselor to our souls and our lives. What about verse 25 and 28? My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Maybe that's what you need right now. Maybe actually you need to receive life. Maybe you need to be strengthened because of what you're going through. God's word does that. Verse 32, I pursue the way of your commands for you broaden my understanding. I want that. I want to be wiser. I want to know how life works, how I work, how people work. I want my understanding to be broadened so that I might understand this world in the way God wants me to. Verse 97, how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Do you meditate on and think about and dwell on God's word throughout the day? Verse 103, how sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. 
Actually, I was thinking about that. Like, I don't know what your favorite dessert is, whether it's sweet or savory, but I love chocolate, Cadbury's, lint. It's, it's an amazing thing to eat. And there is just something so good at the end of a meal, at the end of a day, just to have a few blocks of chocolate and just enjoy that sweet taste in your mouth. Is God's word sweet like that? Is it a delight to you in the same way that a dessert might be after a meal? Verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Does God's word guide you? Do you follow God's word? Do you let it illuminate the darkness around you? We, we've been through a time where things have been so unclear and dark. We, we can't see what's coming. But God's word shows us which way to walk, what to do, how to respond. Let me end on verse 127 and 128. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts and I hate every false way. Do you treasure God's word, the scriptures, the Bible, more than expensive, valuable, precious things? And do you hate every false way? There's so many false ways out there, false guides, false truths, all of that. Do you love and follow God's precepts and hate all of those false ways? These are just some of the encouragements from Psalm 119. Go read it. Go check it out. But we're hoping the Word of God is going to shape us as a people. It's going to help us to know God and it's going to encourage us. We're going to hear God speak to our very needs and situations as we go through the series. So I want to pray in just a second, but then Jamie is going to jump into today's message. It's the next part in the series. He's going to be talking about the Bible and intimacy. It's, it's a series around knowing God. And I would love you to encourage him. If you do have his number, send him a message through social media or something like that. Last week was his birthday. He turned 38. He's a silver fox. He's a legend. Um, but send him a message to say happy birthday and to thank him for this message because it will encourage you today and help you to know how to know God through his word, the, the role God's word plays in all of these things. So let's open our hearts now. And Father, I just pray that as we meet like this for church at home, that you would be with us. You would speak to us. You would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. That you would give us revelation and wisdom as we gather like this today. And that you would help us to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, Harbour City. Um, it's great to be with you again for my second part and our, our fourth part of uh, Eat This Book series. And I'm speaking today on the Bible and intimacy or how we know God through the scriptures. So I'm going to read uh, John 17 verse 3 is the verse we'll start with. And it's one of my favorite verses. It says this, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And uh, just one story before we get into this passage, but um, it was in the, the summer of my final year of varsity. So in between my, my, I just finished my second to last year. I was going into my final year. It was that summer. I went over to England to my sister. Um, she owned a coffee shop with her husband and I, I went to go there and to help them a bit with the coffee shop, but also just to kind of get to know London a little bit, to explore, you know, uh, explore this old and beautiful city and to go and see the museums and the art galleries and all the 
uh, interesting stuff that's that's there and I remember going to see all these things and I had to go by myself because my sister and her husband were were working and running their coffee shop um, so I'd go and see all these different things by myself I'd go to the Tate Modern I would go to um, the British Museum but Probably my, my biggest memory of that moment was being in the National Art Gallery uh, in, in London. And while I was there, I remember standing in this one part of the gallery and I was looking at this Monet and it was huge. The, the art piece was absolutely massive. Like it was, it was so much bigger than I expected from doing art at school and, and kind of looking at pictures of Monet and books. And I was wowed by it. I was wowed by the texture. I was wowed by the beauty. I was wowed by the size. And I remember in that moment being so wowed by this picture and looking around and realizing I had no one to share it with. I was there by myself. And in that room, maybe there was one or two other people. There was a security guard. And you kind of want to look around and grab someone and go like, look at this. We studied this at school. Um, and at that moment, I realized how empty uh, a great experience can be when you don't have someone to share with. And, you know, it often sounds cliche when we hear people who get to the end of their lives and they're sharing their wisdom and they say, oh, I wish I had spent more time with family or I wish I had invested more in relationships. And I think sometimes those things sound a little bit cliche because they are true, but they're true in a funny way because in some ways it seems like when it comes to this truth of investing in relationships, investing in knowing people and, and sharing our lives with people, it's like we know it's important, but it takes a lifetime of reinventing the wheel, going through the same experiences, making the same mistakes as generations gone past to learn this lesson that people, that relationships are the most important thing about us. And, uh, and that actually loving people and being loved is uh, what makes life meaningful. There's this interesting George Clooney movie that I, I love, and I don't know why I love it, because it's quite a slow movie in some ways, but it's called Up in the Air. And uh, the movie tells the story of this guy who's got this dream, he's got this ambition. His ambition is to fly, to accumulate a million air miles um, with a specific airline company. And, uh, and that's his dream, and his job causes him to travel all around the country so he's a he travels all the time accumulating these miles but he has this philosophy of life uh, in attaining that dream that you must shed off and throw off everything that is stopping you from living this life of journey this life of travel this life of pursuits of his goal in fact he this philosophy that he has gets him to do the part-time job of speaking at conferences telling people to get rid of the backpack of that is holding them back these relationships this tied down to place this uh, anything that's holding you back from pursuing this this life of travel this direction towards 
his goal. Um, but in the process of him doing his job, he has to take on this, this new kind of like young start executive that has to travel with him to learn the ropes of what he does. And as that relationship like progresses in the movie, you realize she challenges uh, in many ways his kind of like detachment from people and places and uh, uh, she challenges it so much that he ends up getting into a, a relationship not with her with, with someone else falls in love um, and starts to find his own view of of these things change but the, the movie ends in an interesting way it ends with George Clooney in well part of the ending of it is he's on a plane and he's reached his million mile mark. The, the captain comes out to wish him. Uh, people are clapping for him. And you can see like there's this dissatisfaction. He has arrived at the thing that he hoped for. But he's lost the love of his life. He's lost the person that he eventually fell in love with. And somehow the movie ends with him feeling dissatisfied. Be because of that. And I think what's the point of, of what I'm saying, telling these stories, is this, is that there is a part of us that needs to be challenged by this very verse that we're reading here in John 17. This idea that what John is, is bringing across, what Jesus is telling us, is that this is eternal life. This is eternal life, is to know God. It's relational. Sometimes we, we can have this idea, whether if we've been in Christian circles for, for long enough, that, that the essence of Christianity is to get to heaven we are being saved out of hell to get to him eternal life is a destination it's a place that we're going to or maybe for some of us who who maybe our our kind of like framework is an idea of a spirituality maybe not christianity but spirituality and and we think of spirituality or eternal life as a pursuit of meaning of self-discovery this journey of knowing more about who we are and what makes us tick and finding meaning in life but what Jesus does is he challenges us I think on the very thing that we actually know but he challenges us again on this that eternal life is not a destination it's not even a journey of self discovery. It's not going to a place after we die. It's not about following an ethical guideline. Eternal life is this. It is a person. It is our relationship with that person. This is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And here we are in this Bible series and at this point I want to talk about the scriptures and knowing God. How can we come to know God? You know we can approach the Bible so often thinking of the Bible as a book of ethics, thinking of the Bible as kind of telling us how what it is that we must do. Or we can approach the Bible as a framework or a philosophy for life, thinking about how it's going to tell us how to live a meaningful life. But I think at the core, the Bible is telling us about a person and how it is that we can know God. So the question we have to ask ourselves is how can we know God? And that is 
part of the question I'm trying to answer and hopefully stirring a desire within us this morning. How can we know God? Well, for, um, before I get into the core part of that, I want to just give us a very brief kind of introduction to some historical doctrines that the church has believed. And, uh, and those doctrines are essentially the, the doctrines of transcendence, eminence, and revelation. So transcendence is this idea that God is so mighty, so supreme, so all-knowing, so incredibly great that he transcends our ability to understand or to understand fully or to understand truly. That if us in our finiteness had to try and comprehend God, we'd probably always get it wrong because he was just so much bigger. There's this verse that says God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. He transcends us. But then there's this doctrine that the church has always believed that the scriptures tell us is that God isn't only transcendent but he chooses to be imminent. It means he chooses to be present to in one sense condescend himself to, in one sense to to leave behind some of his transcendence to be close and near and engaging with his people but then there is this doctrine of revelation which is an important one is this the doctrine of revelation is essentially this that we can know God because he has chosen to make himself known that God in his transcendence and God in his imminence in his greatness and grandeur and in his closeness and nearness God it can be known because he has chosen to make himself known Known. That's a doctrine of revelation. And that doctrine is split into two. It's uh, two types of revelation. How does God choose to make himself known? And we know this. We know that God chooses to make himself known in two ways. In Romans 1, it tells us about what we call general revelation. It's the kind of revelation that everyone in the world is exposed to. It's that God has chosen to make himself known in a general way through nature and conscience and providence. That because of the grandeur of nature, the beauty of what surrounds us, because of the conscience that all of us have, because of the providential uh, nature of some things, we know that there is a God, Romans 1 tells us, that there is no one without excuse, that there is the sense that every person uh, is exposed to the fact that God is real, God is present uh, through general revelation. That's why you get some people saying that they want to go to the mountains. They want to go uh, you know, into nature to have these spiritual encounters. Why? Because in one sense, they are being exposed to this way in which God shows himself to all his people. But the second part that we come to know God is through special revelation, which is essentially what Hebrews 1 highlights. Hebrews 1 highlights that God has chosen to show himself, to speak to his people through the prophets, through his people, through the, his dealings with his people, and through Jesus, that we get to know God in a special way through God's own self-disclosure by speaking to his people, engaging with his people by, through Jesus. 
and uh, which is how we get to know God in a special way through the, the scriptures. Now, I like to think of general and special revelation like this. Imagine us getting to know someone like Elon Musk. We could get to know him in a very general way by seeing the companies that he forms, you know, Tesla, SolarCity, um, going to Mars, you know, like you look at these things and you realize that, oh, Elon Musk is someone who obviously has some concern for the environment. He wants solar generation, electric cars, wants to go to Mars because he's worried about the overconsumption of stuff on the earth and the future of the planet, etc., etc. You know, like, so you get to know him a little bit. You see him in interviews. And you have this idea that you know about Elon Musk because of all these different things. Um, and that's a bit like general revelation. But we only truly get to know Elon Musk when we sit and converse with him, when we are able to hear his thoughts, when he's able to self-disclose himself, when he's able to share what he's thinking, what he values, what he likes, when we are engaging him in a much more intimate way. And self-disclosure um, which is a big part of what the Bible is to us in our relationship with God. Self-disclosure is the part of a relationship in which someone gives us insight into their inner world, into who they are, into what makes them tick, into their thoughts, into their, their values, into what they like and dislike, into what they feel. Um, uh, Self-disclosure is almost this opening up of a life to someone else. In many ways, self-disclosure is the process of vulnerability that Brené Brown talks about. And Brené Brown, in one sense, has shot to superstardom in, in our generation because of how we have resonated with her idea of vulnerability or her idea that it takes self-disclosure, opening yourself up to others for there to be genuine intimacy. And the scriptures are God's self-disclosure. God has spoken. He has shown himself to his people. He has opened himself up to his people. And in the scriptures, we see what God likes. We see who he is. We see how he acts. He reveals his desires for us, his vision for the world. We, we, he reveals what he likes and dislikes. In the scriptures, we are exposed to God in one sense in his most vulnerable state, in his state of showing himself as he is and, uh, and, and then us inter interacting with that. And that is essentially why or precisely why the scriptures are so important for our relationship with God. They're so important for our relationship with God because in the scriptures we have God revealing himself. Not, we're not just observing God. We are, we are interacting with God as he opens himself up to us and we see him for who he is. Um, and then the second reason why the scriptures help us to know God is, is I think, 
but I, I think I've come to understand this a little bit more through lockdown and the social anxiety that we feel. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like if you go into a crowd right now, you know, we've all been locked down. We've probably been a little bit devoid of human interaction. Um, so, so we've, we've been, you know, not we haven't been exposed to too many crowds and then you go into a crowd and there's a measure of social anxiety that you feel you're like oh how do I do this how do I interact with people what are people going to say what are people going to think you know like uh, what what kind of conversations should I have you know like there's this measure of social anxiety that we have because we're feeling a little bit rusty in how we do relationships and our kids an interesting thing about our kids is our kids going to school um, us having people in our home, them watching and observing us learn how to be social beings. How do you interact with other people? It is through this exposure to, to things, to conversations, this exposure to interactions of people that we learn how to engage in a social way, how to be social beings. Well, what the scriptures do is the scriptures learn, teach us the practice of interacting with the divine. They teach us the skill of social relationship with God. In the scriptures, through the Psalms, through the prayers, through the experiences of God's people, as we, as we read through the scriptures, we're not just learning about God self-disclosing himself, we're also learning how the people of God engage with God. And so in one sense, we are socialized. We are learning the practice of prayer, the practice of interaction, the practice of how it is that we come to know and live with and have intimacy with God. Um, I don't know if you, you, you've ever been in an occasion where maybe you're part of a group of people and someone comes in and the language that they use is just jarring or their dress code is so off or they've come into a silent room and just made a big noise and you kind of want, like, want to say to that person, man, just read the room. Like, have you not got it? Have you not understood the moment? Well, what the scriptures do in one sense is they help us to read the room of spirituality. They help us, train us in the art of knowing God. As we read the scriptures, we learn about prayer. We learn about how God interacts with his people and his people interact with him. We learn how to interact with the divine. And then I think what ultimately what we, what we get to is we get to a place of what I call the dance. So Tim Keller says this, he says he, he was engaging with Eugene Peterson and Eugene Peterson said, if you want to know God, you have to read the Psalms. And so Tim Keller amazingly for 20 years read the whole book of the Psalms every single month for 20 years. Um, and in that he learned this kind of idea, this, he learned through the Psalms how we know God, the social cues. But he also learns how to pray how and how the scriptures inform the language that we use when we pray. And uh, it gets to this idea of what I call the dance. You know, a dance is a 
between two people is a beautifully intimate thing. It's, uh, it's this rhythmic movement of joy. It's this expression of love. It's this, uh, it's this movement of intimacy that when you know the person that you're dancing with, you know how they're going to move as they're going to move. Um, um, it's a deeply intimate and beautiful um, and in, in some ways an organic kind of um, um, interaction. And our relationship with God through the scriptures becomes like a dance. We hear God speaking to us in the scriptures and we learn through God speaking to us and through people speaking back to God how to pray. And slowly over time as our relationship with God develops, we learn this intimacy, this dance of prayer and reading, of prayer and study. The scriptures, God speaks to us. He self Closes himself to us. And in the scriptures, we learn how to speak back until ultimately we learn how to know God. We learn the dance of intimacy, the dance of relationship with God. But I want to end off this, uh, this message on, on the Bible and knowing God, this Bible and intimacy. I want to end off talking about Jesus and this passage in Hebrews 1. In Hebrews 1 verse 1 it says this, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. There is this idea that we get here that God has revealed himself, self-disclosed himself through the prophets, through his people. But ultimately, ultimately, he has revealed himself, self-disclosed himself through his son, through Jesus. What are we doing here? When, when I say we should know God through the scriptures, am I saying to you that we're trying to add the scriptures to this passage and saying, well, God has spoken through the prophets this and now Jesus, the ultimate, but also the Bible. Now, what we're trying to say is we're trying to tell us that the way that we actually come to know Jesus, the way that we get to know this final and full and glorious self-disclosure of God, Jesus himself, the way we come to know Christ is through the scriptures. What I find so interesting is that when you read in, in Acts and, and at different points when Luke is recording about the apostles preaching and they're preaching about Jesus, it says that they preached the word of God. What is, what is he saying? What is Paul trying to do when he's writing these letters and when he's writing uh, the, the scriptures? What are the apostles who wrote the gospels trying to do? They are trying to show us Jesus. And there's this very real idea 
that Luke in Acts, that Paul in his letters, that the apostles in, in the Gospels is trying to tell us is that we come to know Christ through the proclamation of Christ. As the Gospel is told, as the story of Jesus is proclaimed, as we read the story of Jesus, we come to know him. That it is through the Scriptures through the preaching of the scriptures, through the reading of the scriptures, through the engaging of the message of Jesus, that we come to know him. That this is, Jesus is the fullest, most final um, self-disclosure of God. The way we come to know God is we come to know him through Christ. There, Jesus says this in John 14. Uh, one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, Won't you show us the Father? And Jesus says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is saying that I am the fullest, most perfect revelation of the Father. To see me, to know me, is to know God. I love, um, there's this one passage, it's Philippians 3, that I really enjoy. And Paul is essentially listing his credentials uh, as a, a Pharisee. He was the most ethical, most zealous, most radical religious person. And he says this, he essentially leaves this ambition uh, uh, for being super religious, he leaves his credentials, he leaves all of that behind to pursue this, to know God. That is his desire now. It is to know God. That is his pursuit. That is his aim. That is where life itself is found, to know God. And how in Philippians 3 does he say that we come to know God? He says we come to know God in the knowledge of the death and the resurrection of Christ. We come to know God in the gospel message. We come to know God in Jesus himself. That as we engage with Christ through the scriptures, as we engage with Christ through the belief of the gospel, as we engage with Christ, we know the Father. I started off t telling a story about, you know, getting to to uh, the British art museum, art gallery, and uh, the kind of emptiness that that was there, standing between for this great picture and 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 being empty because I didn't have anyone to share it with and I talked about the George Clooney thing attaining a million miles but there's an emptiness because he didn't have anyone to share his life with in the same way our religion is empty our faith is empty without the knowledge of God that this is eternal life that we shall know God and Jesus Christ whom we have seen. And how do we know God? We know God through his self-disclosure in the prophets, in the scriptures, and ultimately in Jesus Christ. And we know all of that through our engagement with 
God in the Bible. And uh, I want to pray for, for us as we, we close now, because I think some of us, maybe you've heard this and, and, and you've got a fresh desire to know God and to, to pursue Him and to get to know Him better. And so you're going to go and read the scriptures. But maybe for some of us, we, we are hearing this, but we've never actually known God. We've never given our lives to God. We've never uh, pursued God in any way. And as I ended off that Philippians 3 passage, where Paul essentially says that the way that we know God is through the knowledge of the death and resurrection of Christ. Ultimately, the way that we come to know God is by embracing Jesus, Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected, the Son of God who died for our sins and who rose for our new life. I want to pray for you if that is you. And I want to ask that you would take a moment uh, in this, as you've heard this message, as you've heard what I've said, you would take a moment to receive Jesus. You would take a moment to engage with that, to put your faith in Christ. And then as you do put your faith in Christ, you will engage with him in real relationship. You will start this journey of knowing God. So if that is you, let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for everyone who's watching that you would help us have a deeper knowledge of who you are and a, a deeper, more intimate knowledge of you through the scriptures, through the way that you have um, revealed yourself to us. But I particularly, Lord, pray this uh, today for those who are watching that maybe have never come to know you, have never come to believe in the message of Jesus, that today that they would be able to put their trust in you, that they would be able to repent of their pursuit of self, re repent of their pursuit of their own, uh, uh, their own you know, ambition or glory or fame or uh, whatever it may be. And that they would turn from that and engage in meaningful and intimate relationship with you. I pray for them right now, Lord, that you would open up their hearts and that you would come upon them by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And so if that is you, I just pray that right now you would just open up your heart and say, God, I believe in you, Jesus. I repent of my sins and I accept your grace, your gift of of salvation, your gift of knowing you, your gift of eternal life, that I can come to know you through Jesus. Thank you, uh, Harbor City. I hope that this helps you in your pursuit of God and your knowledge of Him. And I hope it helps you in your desire to read the scriptures. Have a good rest of your day. God bless.